Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. All right, thank you very much, Anderson. I appreciate it. We have Manu Raju. Uh, There is a 30-minute recess. It's not over. Uh, They're taking a break. This was long. It was heated. There are a number of amendments uh, that have basically been a chance to recycle the same debate. You have Republicans saying that this is a miscarriage of duty. And you have the Democrats saying, no, this is what the Constitution requires. And we're seeing iteration after iteration of that. Manu, uh, this 30-minute break is done to uh, accomplish what exactly? Is it just a breather? It's just a breather because this process is, as you can see, unpredictable. Members, this can go as long as members want, essentially, because uh, this is not like a typical congressional hearing where there's usually an end point. Here, members, if they want to offer an amendment, they are allowed to offer an amendment. Then each member of this committee, there are 40 who are attending these proceedings, they each get five minutes each to speak. So that's why we've only seen five amendments voted down today, five Republican amendments, because each time there's an amendment offered, everyone gets a chance to speak. So that's why this has been going on since 9 a.m. Eastern. And at the moment, Democrats are saying they're just taking a break because they expect more Republican amendments to be offered through the course of this evening. And Jerry Nadler, the chairman of the, the Judiciary Committee, does have the authority to essentially block more Republican amendments. He can take that. But what we are hearing from our Democratic sources is that that's not what Jerry Nadler wants to do for one reason, because that would spark Republican protests. They would argue, raise another process argument, contend that this was not a fair process. So what the Democrats are doing is saying, fine, offer as many amendments as you want, and we're going to just keep going. We're going to plow right through this until they ultimately get to that final historic vote, which is to advance those two articles of impeachment about abuse of power and obstruction of Congress to the full House for its consideration next week. So expect much more theatrics, fireworks, and potentially more amendments in the hours to come, Chris. All right, Manu, thank you very much. Let's head back to Dana Bash real quick. Uh, From a strategy perspective, what are you hearing on the Republican side of the ball? I mean, they seem to be making the same point. Uh, They've been very disciplined in terms of following talking points. And I think often they catch uh, the Democrats looking back to history, which can be edifying for people, but they are staying very present, the Republicans, about what they see here as a miscarriage of duty. Dana, what are you hearing about any kind of strategy play? This is it. Um, The biggest difference we've seen in the, I guess now, uh, 12 hours that this hearing has been going on was was early on in the day when the Republicans started for the first time in the months since we've seen the summary of the call that now infamous uh, July 25th phone call between the president and the Ukrainian leader uh, trying to make the case when President Trump said, do us a favor, though, uh, that us was all of us, America, and that it wasn't about his personal political uh, needs. It was about what America needs. It was fascinating that we heard that today and even more evidence that the president of the United States is pushing his fellow Republicans to defend the substance of that phone call that he's called perfect since day one, uh, but in a way that these Republicans haven't done. Beyond that, you know, it's a lot of, you know, 
frank, frankly, a lot of clickbait. Not to sort of, you know, downplay the historical importance of this, and they are putting very uh, important arguments from their perspective into the historical record, into the congressional record. But there's a lot of, look at how wonderful the president is. He's done so many things for this country. How can you do this to him, in addition to the arguments about the, the impeachment right. at hand? All right. Well, look, uh, this is a very interesting moment because it will be so great to see what happens when they come out of this break. I guarantee you it's almost like a halftime game, not to trivialize it uh, at all. Now, we're very lucky. Dan, I'm going to come back to you in sure. a second. Uh, we're lucky to have former AG Mike Mukasey with us uh, tonight. We were actually pre-taping an interview with him when they took this unexpected break. So, AG, thank you for staying with me. Uh, I got lucky having you in the chair at this time. Help me understand something from a legal perspective. You're not a politician. Uh, you've, been a, you, you know, you've been an attorney general. You've served a president. But just in terms of logic, of thought and argument. Why this insistence on denying what was pretty well established through the testimony by respectable people uh, about what happened here and why it happened? Why isn't the stronger argument for Republicans? Look, what he did was not textbook. Uh, maybe that's because he's not a politician. It was even wrong in some ways. But they got the aid. He never got any dirt on the Bidens. The election is safe. How can this be worthy of impeachment or removal from office? Why deny everything? Well, there's a lot more going on than just denying everything. Number one, they're making the points that you made. Number two, there is still, I think, some legitimate question about whether uh, what was happening at Burisma, which was a crooked operation, uh, as a great deal in the Ukraine is, uh, didn't warrant some taking a look. Is that the issue? It's an issue. But in terms of how you're supposed to act as president, you want to look at Burisma. You go to the DOJ. You exercise the agreement with Ukraine. You go to your friends in the Senate. You don't do what he did, which is hold up aid and leverage them to get them to announce an investigation only. That's very self-serving. If he had it is self-serving. If he had an interest, I mean, I'm sorry, a, a, a history of going by the book, knowing precisely the way things happen in government and stepped out of it in, in this instance and did something different, um, I would agree with you that there's, that there's a problem. I but hear his, you. But his, history, his history has been that he is not somebody with a great deal of knowledge of or high regard for the usual procedures. Are you one of the integrity mentors in my life, creating a low bar for the president of the United States where he usually does shady things? So let's assume that no. that's just pro forma. I'm not creating a low bar for the president of the United States. What I'm doing is telling you that he is here running true to form. Whether that warrants removal or not is something that's for those folks who are on but recess But we know that decide. if you were counsel, if he were lucky enough to have you as counsel, and he said, here's what, what, what I'm going what to did do. I, what did I ever do to you? <laughs> that's right. Don't wish it on your words. Right. But here's it. Look, let's be honest. He needs as many people like you as he can get around him right now because he needs someone to help him with better judgment. That is clear from every fact pattern we've seen all the way through the presidency. But he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going after Biden. I'm not going to go after these guys and use Ukraine stuff, but it'd be helpful for it to come out. I'm going to have Ukraine own it. You tell him, don't do this this way. I don't know that that's what he said. I think what he said was, this is a handy way to get something on Biden. I'm going to do whatever I do with regard to but Biden as well. he did it well. the wrong way. So why don't the Republican defenders admit that and say, but 
here's our argument against removal, because by denying everything, you're it asking, seems they're open look, to suggestion on everything. You're asking me to imagine, and you're really asking the wrong guy. Well, we but, are living it in real time, Mike. I know that. I know that. Uh, but they they're are the people who are making decisions. You wouldn't decisions. deny Pardon? You're, they're denying things that you wouldn't deny if you were in the council chair. Maybe I would. I'm not, not if I were in the council chair. Um, I think if I were in the council chair, I would counsel that it be done differently. But, you know, if my grandmother had a wheel, it should be a trolley car. Except uh, to keep it away from the absurd, the country's watching this right now. It's about what is the standard of behavior? You have the Republicans pointing the finger at the left and saying, you guys are just purely political. You hate the president. That's gratuitous because the person who uses hate and animus is our president. Uh, but... They haven't made any good faith effort to do any oversight as the constitutional demands as a duty they took an oath to uphold. They've just been his defense counsel. Bravo for him, but bad for the process. Why not at least own what's obvious? What is the proper standard? This is this is a this is an impeachment proceeding. Yes. You don't remove somebody from office for not meeting the proper standard, for not displaying those qualities of mind, character and temperament. That are appropriate to a president. What if they because lead to the, abuse of your power? The qualities of mind, character, and temperament that he's displayed in this were on gaudy display throughout the primaries and throughout the election. And we had an election and he was elected. So your defense is this Ill. is who they elected. But they didn't know what he it's would do a, with those. A lot of people thought he was joking with a lot of the things that he said. Well, um, I don't know if people thought he was joking. Some people thought he was serious and liked it. Do you think people would like the idea of a president abusing their power in this way? I think people would be understanding of it. I think people might give him a pass. For abusing if, his power? Go ahead. I mean, this, this is tough um, stuff to hear. I know. Um, for if, 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 the, if the abuse consisted of asking for something that perhaps that, that under no circumstances should be done. We don't know whether it was appropriate to conduct an investigation of Biden's son. Um, I don't know. You don't know. Um, but look. What he did, he did. I'm not I'm not excusing it. I'm not saying it was proper, a proper performance. Uh, what I am saying is that the question is whether you remove somebody from office or not over this. And that's something Congress is going to have to deal with. Well, a little bit of it is how they deal with it. Also, that's really what I'm scrutinizing. It's up to them to make the decision. And then we can all analyze it and go through it afterwards. That takes me to your area of expertise uh, with the AG. You know, you vouched for him when he wanted this job, Attorney General Barr, and said this guy will not be pushed around by a White House. Help me understand how he may not be being pushed around. But he seems in lockstep with protecting this president's interests, even if it means going bad on his own inspector general. First of all, he's not going bad on his own inspector general. Secondly, it's not. I mean, the inspector general is the inspector general. It's not his. It's not anybody's in particular. He's not obligated to walk in lockstep with the attorney general, with 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 the inspector general. True. And, and a lot of people don't like their inspector generals because they're you're, you're looking at one they're digging them. in your own backyard. Right. But to basically say he got and they're also it wrong, they're also reporting to con. Well, he got part of it wrong, is what he said. And understand that the inspector general has a limited yes. authority and limited tools at his, at, that are available to him. He's limited to investigating the Department of Justice and the FBI, yeah. which is part of it. He's not, he can't investigate the CIA. He can't investigate the, the Department of State. Uh, he can't investigate the NSA, all of which, by the way, I think will be shown to have well, been involved You were looking in at what the FBI did and how they did it. He comes back, he says, no political animus. You have uh, an attorney general who accused his own agency of spying. We've never heard of that before. Look, what he, he characterized surveillance as spying. 
Um, that's that's not an incorrect term. But you, well, but you know they number, don't like the term. They take it as something that is done in a nefarious fashion, and they find well, that objectionable considering what they do to a citizen. If you, yeah, if you take a look at what was done to Carter Page, who was never charged with any crime, I don't think that's... Well, That's you don't need property. to charge him with a crime to do a FISA, right? It's a different probable cause standard. But hey, by the way, let me stop. Right. I'm a journalist who does a lot of investigative work. Okay. I've had lots of problems with how the FBI does its job over the years. I think these 17 recommendations, uh, findings, allegations are pitiful and that the FBI should be ashamed of themselves for how they did the job. That's not that's not the only finding, though. The, 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 you say they found he he found. No, what he found was no testimony and no documentary evidence showing of bias. But he did. He said and he said that in his first report, too, which puzzles me because of the following exchange that he didn't discuss in his first report, didn't discuss in this one. The night that Trump was nominated, Lisa Page texted Strzok. I can't believe that that whatever I I know what you called him. That that bozo got the nomination. So what, Mike? Okay, wait, no, wait a second. People who wait said a we second. We like Clinton. No, no. We don't like. It's Trump. the return text that counts. The return text was this raises the pressure to terminate MYE. MYE stood for mid-year exam, which was the code for the Hillary Clinton investigation. Now you tell me how does the nomination of Donald Trump raise the pressure to terminate? The Mike, what Hillary I'm Clinton investigation one unless between two lovers and adding context to it. When what do we know about the Hillary Clinton thing? You wound up getting Andrew McCabe jammed up because he wanted to investigate it more. You had Comey come out to say that he was investigating it, doing more damage to her campaign than anything else that happened during the campaign. Clearly, the FBI wasn't out to help her. The FBI was out to help the FBI and make sure that nobody criticized them for covering it up. The the text said that this raises the pressure to terminate that investigation. But there was no termination. Of course there was. Not right then. Not for that reason. Soon, they dragged it out as much as they could. No, they didn't drag it out as much as they could. They ended it as soon as they could. They came out and, and did something we've never seen with an investigation before. You guys never talk about ongoing investigations. He comes out and talks about it not once but twice, both times putting stink on Clinton. And they make the decision not to do the same about Trump. Because he didn't want to... Obviously, he didn't want to be criticized for covering it up. Well, he he made his choices. I'm just saying I don't see that part. But what I do see is you adding value to nuanced issues that are going on right now. And I always appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Mike Mukasey, a pleasure. Best for the holidays if I want to see you. Same to you. Merry Christmas. All right. We're in the middle of a 30 minute break. Why? Because this has been going on for over 12 hours. And the way it works, this procedure, this isn't something they do all the time. And there's flexibility in how many amendments can be made. And each one of the calls for an amendment warrants debate. And it can be somewhat open ended, as we've seen tonight. Now, what is the strategy at play? We asked Anna Bash. She says the word she hears is you're looking at it. Keep coming. Keep pounding. Keep pounding the Democrats. Extend this. uh, Show how tortuous it is. See how difficult it is and divisive it is. So now let's get it from the Democrat perspective. Pramila Jayapal, a Democrat, Washington. What is it like in the room? What do you think of the strategy at play? Well, I think, Chris, that we have been all day, Democrats have been laying out the facts, substantive facts that are on the record, that are uncontested by anybody except the Republicans who are in this room, who are essentially trying to distract us from anything that is substantive. So they want to talk about, uh, you know, Peter Strzok. They want to talk about uh, all kinds of other investigations, but they don't want to talk about the fact 
that the president abused his power, coerced a foreign ally to interfere in our elections, and is consistently going on to do that. The president is a smoking gun. He has reloaded that gun, and whether or not he fires it is up to us if we can stop him from using okay. his office and abusing his power. So they have three pushbacks. Uh, I'll do them in reverse order. The one is, oh, he's not going to do it. He's not a continuing threat. You're the continuing threat because you hate him and you want to get him. That's their pushback to that. Uh, the second point of pushback is uh, we're not going to deal with the facts because there are no facts because this entire procedure has been a sham. And then they do have, and those are political arguments that I tee up uh, for your response. The third one, though, has more teeth. Uh, you've had members of your caucus talking about impeaching him a long time ago. And now it shows that it wasn't just a style problem. It's a substance issue for you to deal with. And it winds up dovetailing with not including specific crimes in the article of impeachment, which is now fueling a political argument by the Republicans that you don't have a crime. What's your response to those as a basket of arguments? Well, you know, on, on the process argument, this is a very fair process that has been going on actually for eight months. The Intel uh, Committee had uh, 17 witnesses. They had numerous people come in. The Republicans had a chance to cross-examine those witnesses. Here in the Judiciary Committee, we have had the ability to bring in and we have invited the president and his legal counsel to come in for both of the hearings that we've done. The president has refused. That is consistent with his behavior. It is unprecedented when we talk about process. It is unprecedented for any president in the, of the United States that has ever faced impeachment to refuse to give us a single witness, to refuse to give us a single document. That is just unprecedented. It's taking away the sole power of impeachment that, as you know, is in Article 1. It's taking that away from Congress and it's saying the president's just going to obstruct Congress in this investigation into the president. That's a check and balance that the framers included in the Constitution. Um, I've forgotten what your first point was, but your third I one... I threw it to you in a big bundle to confuse you. <laughs> no, look, the, the first one was uh, that they're not going to deal with the facts because they say the process is a sham. Uh, and okay. they also say that you guys have always wanted to impeach him. Okay, that was your uh, and, third point. And that's what right. this is about. And look, the third part for you to deal with is uh, their idea of not having the specific crime in the article of impeachment. Sure. Because you well, guys look, don't have the proof. But, but here's the thing. The, the Constitution um, and is the ultimate, the supreme law of the land. And so what we are saying is that the Constitution... Um, and the highest crimes in violation of the Constitution are abuse of power and obstruction of Congress because they get in the way of the very things that the, that the framers were so afraid of. So we are charging him with the highest crimes, constitutional crimes, that we can find. And so I think that that is very, very important. But on this thing of impeachment, that's just a red herring. You know, they keep saying it over and over again. Um, there, there might have been some members of Congress who actually said we are ready to impeach him. But the votes that they talk about on the floor were simply to refer articles of impeachment or impeachment inquiry resolution to the Judiciary Committee. They were not final votes on impeachment. And I think that they just, this is another, it's just a red herring. And so much of what they've said today has been to distract, well, to obstruct, and to stop us from actually dealing with the facts. One thing I want to say, Chris, go is, ahead. you know, I asked them directly. I turned to them at one point and I said, forget about Trump. Just, just forget about Donald Trump. Will any of you 
on the other side say that it is wrong for a president to ask a foreign country to interfere in our elections. Now, crickets, we saw nothing, crickets. Later on, John Ratcliffe said, he sort of reworded the, the question to say involvement instead of interference. I'd love to know what the difference is between those two. He said, absolutely it's okay to ask a foreign country to involve themselves in our elections. I think that is a stunning thing for him to say. Certainly and something I think he's going to have outrageous. to explain because it was one he of the is. few things that everybody agreed to after the Mueller um, probe right. was that you got to keep foreign powers out of it. Certainly the founders want it. Uh, and so does our legal structure when it comes to campaigns. That's right. Uh, Representative Jayapal, I wish you uh, good energy because it Thank seems you. like you guys are going to be We're at gonna this go a while. We're going to go all night. We're going to go all night. And we'll be here too. All day. 100% hundo P. All right. <laughs> few people have had a front row seat to impeachment against one president, let alone two. Uh, very often in my life, I have turned to Sam Donaldson for uh, example, for advice. And the veteran White House correspondent is going to join us after this break about what matters right now. What do we have to keep pointing out to you? How will this be remembered and why? A word from the master. Next. All right. While Democrats push ahead on impeachment, the president's party remains staunchly behind him. In fact, I would argue to you we've never seen anything like it. Now, that demands some historical perspective. So let's get some. I have legendary journalist Sam Donaldson with me. He was with ABC's, uh, you know, ABC News forever. He was the chief Watergate correspondent. He was the White House correspondent during President Clinton's impeachment. And full disclosure, he is a mentor to me and someone that I always prayed on my absolute best day I'd be half as good as. Sam Donaldson, thank you. As we spoke... <laughs> Whatever. It's the first time you've ever listened to anything I said. No, you're blowing a lot of smoke there. It's, no, it's, all, it's all true. It's, it's, I don't go on someone's show as not. <laughs> thank you very much, Sam. So this is tricky times to understand what is happening before the American audience, why it matters, which part of it to focus on. What is your perspective? Well, I think it matters because of the case the Democrats are making. Uh, what uh, your last guest just said. Do we all believe that it's great to call on a foreign power to aid you in your re-election campaign in the United States? As you said earlier, Chris, we have money restrictions. Foreigners can't give money. China can't send money. Ukraine can't. Vladimir Putin can't send money on the table. Uh, but this is OK. No, it's not OK. So the Democrats have the case. The Republicans don't argue the case. They argue the process. They say it's you're a witch hunt. You're out to get him. You've always hated him. And that they pound the table. That's powerful. Like a lawyer who doesn't have a case. But that's powerful, that's powerful Sam. And people repeat it to us. It's emotional. That's true. But let's face it. Tactics tonight don't matter. This committee is going to vote those two articles out. The Democrats have the majority. Next week, the Democrats have the majority. They're going to vote impeachment of this president. And the thing that interests me is that Nancy Pelosi... And Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate, both agree they want a short trial. They want to get it over with for different reasons. And then they want to get on with the election. Where does it and leave that's us? That's what I think we're going to see. Well, it leaves us with bad taste in our mouths on both sides. You pointed out, everyone's pointed out correctly. We hate each other in this country these days. We don't just argue the facts and say, now let's have a beer. You're not a good American because you don't agree with me. And therefore, we've got to stop you in any way possible. Any way is fair to stop you being a bad American. 
Well, no, there's no America if they were at that, each other's throat. How does this compare so to 98? this trial, well, in 98, that's about sex. And when Bill Clinton went before the United States Senate and the trial was held, 70% approval rating among the public. The Republicans had no chance to remove him, none whatsoever. Uh, there were only 45 Democrats, but they needed a lot of other help, you know, and they got it. They got 10 Republicans to make certain that on Article 1, he won 55 to 45, no, no two-thirds vote. I mean, oh, and on Article 2, it was a 50-50 vote, so they couldn't even get 51 votes against him. Everybody decided, maybe wrongly, because he, he did commit perjury. He admitted that on his last day in office, or else the Robert Ray would have brought him into court afterward when he left the president. Yeah. You know, Chris, a lot of people want this, who don't like this president, they don't want the Senate to remove him. He's not going to be removed by the Senate. And why? Because if he's removed and there's President Pence, President Pence can pardon him. Mm. And they don't want him pardoned. They'd also they have to have a second vote time to disqualify up. him, Sam. So they could remove him from his office, but they don't get the votes to disqualify. And then he'd be able to run again. But all that's totally far-fetched. My last question for you. They're well, starting a- to reassemble uh, in the room. We don't know exactly when it's uh, going to end or resume. As it does, we'll, we'll go right back to coverage. But from what you learned uh, through Nixon, through Clinton, have you ever seen the president's party in lockstep during a proceeding like this, the way we've seen with the Republicans, at least in the House? No, when the first article against Richard Nixon was, uh, the roll call was called, six Republicans on the Judiciary Committee voted aye. How many Republicans tonight are going to vote aye? Zero. How many Republicans in the Senate are going to vote convict? None. None. So whatever evidence that you and I or anyone else thinks is there on the table is disregarded by today's Republican Party as represented by their Washington representatives. There are a lot of good Republicans in this country, and I hope the party is reconstituted as it once was. We need two good parties with people, good people on both sides contending over the years in different ways for their constituencies. Maybe this is proof that we need five good parties. Sam Donaldson. <laughs> no, uh, no. Certainly. We've that's never... Italy. <laughs> that, that is Italy. <laughs> Maybe that's my roots talking. Uh, <laughs> Sam, thank you so much uh, for being with us. Thank you for your example and your perspective on such an important night. Be well. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, All right. Chris. So they're starting to come back into the room. This has been a surprise. Uh, the number of amendments, a surprise. The volume of argumentation, a surprise. We thought they were going to the White House Christmas party tonight. Uh, the, uh, the event at the White House tonight, not the Christmas party. The Republicans didn't. They're coming back soon. And when they do, we will. Stay with CNN. All right, we're waiting for the Judiciary Committee to reassemble. It's slow going. Uh, the break was uh, random. It was a surprise. We were told it was 30 minutes. When they get back after it, so will we. But let's bring in right now some of our top political and legal minds. Dana Bash, Elliot Williams, and Tim Naftali, of course, historian. Uh, Dana Bash, do me a favor. Dana, keep me honest. If you hear that they're coming in or you see something, just let me know. But we'll be talking all along anyway. Tim. Okay. So uh, you were moved the same way I was by talking to A.G. Um, Casey. Smart guy, not a politician. But he was iterating very honestly the argument that is coming across more subtly from these lawmakers, which is, Tim, this is who he is. 
You want to impeach him for who he is? He's not a political tactician, this president. He's rough. He's a power player. And that's all it was. And this is who he's always been. And they elected him. So you can't impeach him for being who he is. In 1974, I believe, the uh, House Judiciary Committee was the gold standard for running an impeachment. And I think they helped define high crimes and misdemeanors. And one of the most powerful um, high crime and misdemeanor was Article 2, which was the abuse of power article regarding Richard Nixon. And they documented the efforts that Richard Nixon made to use instruments of government to hurt his enemies. I think for the American people, that is the most powerful misuse of power imaginable. Imagine if your president, because he doesn't like you, can go after you and can use the IRS against you or the FBI. It's ironic to hear Jim Jordan and others talk about 63 million Americans that are hated by Democrats. Now, this is the issue of whether the president can hate one person and hurt that one person. So I think we have a standard for abuse of power that was given to us in a bipartisan manner by the House Judiciary Committee in 1974. I ask all Americans to read that article, then think about what it means, and then apply it, if you think you can, to this president. What I want to hear from, from the Republicans is why it doesn't apply. One of the challenges for us today, and I think a source of real pain, is that we don't have one set of facts. We're arguing two separate sets of facts. Well, you have a set of facts. What people do is they ignore the facts uh, unless they agree with them. But when you're listening, when you listen to these folks talking, the Democrats have the facts, which are the facts. They're based on all that testimony we all watched. And the Republicans are in some other fantasy land. And that's a well, they're not arguing the facts. They're arguing, Dana, to the point that you've made many times to me and others, uh, that this process is unfair because they just don't like the president, as Mukasey expressed uh, in more high-minded fashion. You don't like who he is, but this is always who, is who he's been. So this process is really a personality test. Yeah, that, that's a, a lot of what they're arguing, a lot of the process. Um, they did begin to, as I mentioned earlier, kind of wade into... Uh, the the notion of the president and the substance of of what the Democrats say he did that is an impeachable offense that phone call uh, never mind standing on the on the White House lawn and saying please uh, Ukraine and, and China investigate Joe Biden um, them trying to explain it away them trying to justify it and in large part say to say what uh, what Mr. Mukasey said to you but also. Uh, to say that it's not th- it's not just that it's let, let Trump be Trump and that's who he is and that's who we elected. It's it's totally appropriate, which is, uh, you know, what the congresswoman was saying to you that she tried to press them on. That's why they ducked it, the question of would to, you do well, it? To put it you yeah, exactly. Right. Would you do it? Because the answer is no, because they would get in big trouble. That's right. They duck it. But, you know, Elliot, let me let me bring you in here. Uh, for a little legal analysis on this aspect of did the Democrats give them a little bit of a break? I get the argument of it's all in there. Abusive process is the most dangerous crime there is when it comes to impeachment and it's all in there. But by not including bribery, the low fruit satisfaction of here's the crime. I know it's not necessary. But for the regular people that are watching at home, they're used to hearing about a crime being articulated and they're not getting one. Right. But again, Chris, it's got the point has to be made that a crime is not necessary for an impeachment. That's Uh, unsatisfying to hear. I know it's unsatisfying to hear, but that's the law and that's the Constitution. They're two different standards. So you're going to impeach somebody for not breaking the law. See, that's what you have to deal with from a persuasion. 
Yes, you are going to impeach someone for not breaking the law because they haven't been charged with a criminal offense. It is a different scheme. The Constitution mm -hmm. never, it uses the words bribery, treason, or high crimes and misdemeanors. It does not say that someone ought to be charged with a crime. And there's, frankly, throughout history, federal judges, Tim can talk about this too, federal judges, not just presidents, have been impeached over conduct that was not distinctly criminal, but was conduct that was unfit and incompatible with the oath of office. Right. That but when you look at the dovetailing so. of law and politics that this is, and we're watching, as soon as they get back and they stop looking at their phones, we'll pick up uh, the proceedings right away. Don't worry, we're watching it. And Dan has got her eyes on it as, too, as well. Tim, if you didn't have the burglary against Nixon, would it have been as bad? If you didn't have the lie Absolutely. under oath with Clinton, would it have been oh, as bad? Listen, listen, if you didn't have tapes, Richard Nixon would have completed well, the second proof. term. That's proof. That's proof, but, but the, what, what the impeach What started the impeachment process was when Richard Nixon fired Archibald Cox. Yes. You wouldn't have had impeachment, even with the burglary. But if they didn't have the burglary, you well, think it still winds up the same way? Uh, the burglary makes... What happens with the burglary is it, it pushes the special prosecutor to work with the judge to move grand jury information to the House. So I think that the fact that you had an underlying crime was very significant. Yes, in the movement of material. With Clinton. You know, they oh. started with a land deal. Oh, wait, hey, they there's... wound up with Monica Lewinsky. If he hadn't lied about oh, it, well, can that... you impeach? No, Chris, in fact, there is no Clinton impeachment without the perjury. The reason why the Republicans make the argument about impeachment, and by the way, it was a wrong argument, in 1974, Richard Nixon was found guilty of cheating on his taxes, but he was not impeached for it. Why? Because it's a crime, but it's not a crime that's a high crime. You don't impeach somebody for they cheating on your taxes. They didn't foreign interference. There wasn't corruption of bribery. No. He wasn't playing with his power. So when Bill Clinton lies under oath, bad thing to do, don't do it, and the rest of us will get in big trouble, you don't overturn an election because somebody lied uh, under oath. And they made all this, some of them, only few are left, but they made these arguments Lindsey Graham, most oh. notably. Oh. It's not about a crime, Tim. It's about cleansing the office. Oh, uh, yes. This is about the kind of a behavior and decency we expect from yeah. a president. And then, of course, people like Pence made a lot of moral majoritarian <laughs> arguments. And now he stands proudly next to a man who is arguably a repository for most of our immorality. Um, but now they're arguing you don't have a crime. You can't impeach. Well, it's cynical. This is all cynical. Um, I don't want to say it's all politics because I believe honor politics can be honorable and I'd like people still to go into politics. But it's cynicism. It's completely cynical. All right. So Jerry Nadler's walking up to his uh, aforementioned position uh, as the chair of this. All right. We'll give it a couple more beats. Dana, uh, how long do we expect this to go? What word are you getting? Late. It could go Thank you. very late. <laughs> um, uh, let's see, it's a quarter to 10 Eastern time. You know, it could go at least a, a couple more hours. Um, and the, po the point of duration is what from the, res the perspective of the Republicans, because they're pushing the clock? Just put, put just to, to make this as long and as painful for everybody as possible rhetorically and, you know, when it comes to being sleep, sleep deprived. And, to, and because this is their chance, uh, because the White House chose not to bring witnesses, the White House chose uh, not to participate. This is the Republicans' chance, uh, according to the House Judiciary rules, to show their opposition to the substance of these articles. And so they're going to keep going. They've done about a half a dozen amendments that, that have gotten voted down because they know they have no shot because they don't have the votes. But they're going to keep doing it 
for a little while. It's an interesting contrast of uh, perceived strategy, Elliot, because here you have the, you know, let's run the clock. Let's make this as painful and as divisive as possible. But in the Senate, he's looking to do it very quickly and avoid any of this. All right. The chairman is taking his position that assumes that this is going to resume. So our coverage will as well. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for being with me during this time. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.